five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. This is really good. Um, it says, this is from the drum, and John's a web designer in the UK, and um, maybe he'll turn up. You probably don't know what your customers want, but they do. Okay, and I was a little nervous about that because it's a little bit like these AI people always trying to predict the future, you know, and they say with data, thanks, Keith, with data, with enough data, I can predict what you're going to want. In fact, my book, Spinning Straw into Gold, begins with two lies. The first lie is we know all about you, and the second lie is we can predict what you're going to want. So I, I have a little bit of stock in this in this particular topic. Um, and I argue that if you, if we took a hundred people, uh, you know, and interviewed them on their way into to Walmart and said, what do you want? You know, and had them write down what they were planning to buy. Um, and then looked in their shopping cart on the way out. I bet we wouldn't find one or two, except if they were in an Im- immense hurry, which then they would have bypassed the survey and we wouldn't, we wouldn't have them because it would be a convenient sample. So statistically invalid. But if they surveyed me, I know I wouldn't come out with the right stuff because I'd see light bulbs and say, oh, yeah, geez, I need light bulbs. And I'd see batteries and, oh, yeah, that I forgot to put that on my list. And I'd get to the ammo section and they'd be out of everything, right, if they even sell it anymore. So... Uh, those of you who know what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about. But, you know, they could be out. They could be, you know, we, we tried to buy a Black & Decker coffee pot a couple of months back, and Walmart doesn't have those anymore. So we go went someplace else to get it. You never know what's going to happen when you go in the store. And it's the same online. So don't tell me what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, don't tell me I know what I want. I mean, I might know what I want, but it doesn't mean I know what I'm going to buy. It's, it's a long difference between knowing what you want. And John, what the, what's great about this article is he hones in on that. It's, you know, maybe it's better than my book. John's good guy. He has real experience, okay? Uh, and it isn't your opinion that matters. It's the opinion of your customers. You know, as I said, Emily in Paris, one of the first shows, uh, they had this commercial and they said, is it sexy or sexist? And... Emily, then then the perfume guy says, what do you think, Emily? And she says, oh, it's just wonderful. Although she moves her hand. Well, it doesn't matter what you think. It's what your customers think. Ah, oh, that was one of the great lines of all time. I'm going to immortalize it for her. Um, just wonderful the way she said it. And um, then she got him onto Twitter, which is better than nothing, okay? But it illustrates what John is saying. Then she put him on Twitter and did a survey. It's better than nothing, but John says, here, 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 here's revolutionary talk. Talk to your customers. This is somebody who's actually done it. I bet he's done it. And the only thing I would like to hear from John is, have you done it? Is this something you've practiced? And and what did you learn? What changed? See, we're going to talk about spotting genuine experts and I believe John's a genuine expert, but I also believe that John could have shown us that he was a genuine expert by giving us not just a made-up example, which he did about drills, but an example from his experience. Like, you know, I used to have, and I can still do it if you want it, I used to have a, a, a 100% money-back guarantee. 
okay? So I would charge, I don't remember, 20 grand or something to come into your company and look around and, and fix your marketing. And, you know, I've literally made millions of dollars for companies, helped them go on public and all that, just in my two-day little visits, okay? Just want you to know. But uh, I was in Garen Products, and I wasn't exactly sure, and they were kind of giving me a hard time because they hadn't heard anything yet that would get would would uh, would justify my fee. And so they were saying, like, give us something. Give us one thing we can do, like, right now that will make us the money so we don't have to fight you back for your fee. And I was talking to Art Crowley Jr., okay? See, this is not made up. This is real life. Look it up. Art Crowley Jr., Garen Products. And, uh, you know, he was the son of the founder, kind of a younger man. I think he was younger than I was by quite a bit. And I, I looked at him and I said... Can you tell me, this was about this time of year, March-ish, I said, can you tell me of your top 1% from the previous year, so let's say the top 1% of 2020, can you tell me how many of those have not bought yet in 2021? And he looked at me and he said, I think I could, sure. I said, okay, this is the project I'm going to give you. I want you to get your IT department to run a report. That's how we used to do it. Run a report and sh- and show the top one percent. You know, just whatever it is. They had a, they. I don't know what. what I would guess they had a hundred thousand customers, but not. You know, not twelve month buyers. Probably it was more like twenty thousand twelve month buyers. So the top one percent would be what two hundred. Okay, so the top two hundred accounts. And uh, I said, print out the top 200 accounts and show me what they've bought, or if not, or if it's zero. Okay. Then what I want you to do is that I want you to call the ones that haven't bought and find out why. This is a lot like John's article. And Art looked at me and he said, Well, we don't have a telecenter. We don't have outbound telemarketing department. I said, I, I, Maybe you didn't hear me. I said, Art. I said, I want you to call him. He said, but we don't have outbound telemarketing. I said, let me say it again. I want you to call them. (laughs) They're the top 1%. (laughs) Art, call them. (laughs) Well, Art did. And you know what he found out? He found out people had changed jobs. That was the number one thing. People had moved to a different position. There was a new guy, and they were mailing by name. Often in B2B, it's more effective after the second year or so goes by to mail by title because titles change so much and people change jobs. Anyway, I'm giving you so many nuggets here. But anyway, so so the bottom line is that John says you only need five customers to be able to cover 85% of the problems on the interface. Okay, yeah, I can tell you problems on interfaces all day long. I tried to buy some pajama pants on eBay, you know, and you sort it by, you get, you know, hundreds of items, and so you sort it by price. Let's start with low price, see if I can stand those. And then you found out there's only extra, double X, and triple extra large. Well, that's a little big for me. Uh, Or you find out it only comes in pink or something, you know. It's like, ugh. Land's End, when they first started their, their website, their full website, had a feature where you could put in your, your sizes and uh, you could look at, 
go click on the sale items and see all the sale items. You could sort the sale items by shirts or pants or whatever you were looking for. It was fantastic. It doesn't work like that today. It's what the customers want. It's what the customers are using, but they don't use it. Okay, so anyway, Art says, talk to your customers. Ask them a few simple questions. Again, go to the, go to the show notes. You get this great article, and it will tell you what their, what their problem is, why they want to do it, and what they're trying to achieve. So this story talked about, I want to buy a reliable, high-quality drill to avoid paying a tradesman so I can drill a hole and put up shelves for my children's toys. <laughs> right? I save a lot of money. Every home improvement plan, project I've ever done, I go buy, I justify buying whatever tools I want by how much I'll save instead of the guy who charges me 100 bucks just to come and you know, blow through some tube or something. Okay, so here's an article from PropertyRadar.com. Never heard of it. There's no author mentioned, which is good because I'm not going to like this one. This is how to tell a genuine direct mail expert from a fraud. Okay, you could read my book too. That would be a helpful thing. Uh, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> Look up John Miglash. Spinning Straw of Gold. It's also available on my website. If you want a signed copy, you got to go there. Okay. But you can. Anyway, <clears throat> look at how this starts. Direct mail may seem antiquated, outdated, old school, old time, but mar old time marketers won't let it die. <laughs> now, that's not exactly what it says, but that's the way my mind read it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what does this guy know about this topic? So, but it's the second largest channel for ad spend in the U.S. Want to bet? Not by any reckoning I've ever seen. And just to put it in perspective, this little graph, which you can't see, but I will be talking about on Thursday, this little graph shows the billions, the billions of pieces of mail for the U.S. Postal Service. And I can tell you, this is from 2007 when it peaked down to now, and it just keeps dropping. I can tell you that my email mailbox is jammed three, four, five hundred emails a day just to deal with. I can tell you that the internet is full of ads. I can tell you that my mailbox isn't. Okay? This is the kind of statistics that the DMA used to put out. And, you know, it's like uh, 44 billion, the direct mail industry is valued at 44.2 billion. You know, if you look up the print industry or the print and mail industry, it's declining on an average 3%, 4% a year for the last 10 years. They say it's not a growth industry. It's not some place you want to invest. I looked up all this stuff. Okay. Now, here's a real meaty one. How is that possible, you wonder? I don't think it is possible, whoever wrote this. When you consider every $167 spent, I love those the precision of that. In direct mail, on average, the services sold are $2,000. That's a 3,100% return on investment. No, it isn't. Do you know math? Do you know anything about accounting? Okay, that's, that's, <laughs> that's gross sales compared to ad spend. It's a nice number, 
but your margin could be 10%. Okay, so then it's $297 of margin. That doesn't cover your ad costs. Now you take away the 167 of ad cost, and you're down to like $35 of ROI, and you have to process the order, so there goes that. You got zero ROI with those same numbers, depending on how that shakes out. Okay, so here's where I'm at. When I got in the direct mail industry, it was lie after lie after lie. Okay, R.R. Donnelly and Farm Journal came up with Selectronic Bindery, 1978. <clears throat> and they said, someday every magazine is going to come to your door customized, completely unique to you. They extrapolated the relative ease of telling a pig farmer from a corn farmer and then and then decided that that was going to be uh, totally one-to-one -one marketing. And so I got in when the one-to-one -one marketing was on the cover of every marketing magazine. Find a marketing magazine now, right? Okay, but it was lie after lie after lie. And it was if we, we and we have all the data. We know all about you. We know your credit score. We know how many kids you got. Yeah, do you ever try to contact people? You ever ever try to rent a mailing list? No. It's obsolete data. It could be 20-year-old data. It could be dead people. Okay? So the data wasn't there. The data has never been there. I wrote, I got a, a, a connection with a guy yesterday. I connect with everybody. Send me a connection on LinkedIn. And he said, we got 400 million consumers and, and, and 35 million businesses, which, of course, is overstated, right, because there's only 300-some consumers in America. So he, I could tell he didn't know what he was talking about. I said, are you the original compiler? He said, you bet. And he said, like, what's a compiler? I said, a compiler is the, per, is the people that originally built the data set. Yeah. Uh, so then, after a few more questions, he he said, "Well, I meant that I do the I type in the select to generate the list that you need. You're not the original compiler. You know, I basically said, have a nice day. You have no idea what you're talking about or selling. And the great part is now we get article after article. I watched probably four videos on direct mail this morning. And." I, I'm not sure any of them have got any experience whatsoever. Okay, now here's the next point. Direct mail is more effective than ever. Okay, physical books are outselling ebooks. I'm not sure that's true, but, you know, again, no footnotes. Okay, so while digital is cheap and convenient, we still love holding and looking at physical objects. That is true. There's lots of truth mixed into this thing. Okay, but then he's got another, on average, 41%, 31 wow, okay, and maybe there's a link to this, maybe this is like footnoted, but I'd rather have a footnote. Okay, direct mail has an average shelf life of 17 days, compared to just two seconds for direct, for direct email. Well, my direct email sits in my box for hours before I look at them all, but anyway, so I guess <laughs> that isn't true. But I can tell you from real life experience, because I used to do as a as a service, I used to build list response curves, and I can tell you about the one year bump, which you probably haven't heard of, especially in business to business. When you don't mail 
you know, really often, like I've had clients that mailed 120 times a year to somebody if they kept responding. Woo! You know, that's like two and a half pieces of mail a week, right? Anyway, so uh, I we would track the response and we would track it with key codes, with actual key codes. And what you'd see is, is that 12 months after you'd mailed a piece, when you mailed the next major revision of a catalog or something, you'd see orders coming in from those old key codes, sometimes the significant ones. So the curve goes, you know, goes up right away, and then it goes down a long time, and then it goes boom a year later. So it can be 12 months easily, 12 months. Depends on who you're selling to. All of this stuff is a depends, okay? But that's not the question. The question isn't, does somebody make direct mail work? Because obviously there are people who do. The question is, is it going to be better than what I'm doing now in digital? Because if this isn't better for me, what is the point? And if you want to answer that question, go through my posts. Go find yesterday's, yesterday afternoon I posted something by Andrew Ettinger, where he talks about how he weans people off digital advertising that he thinks is wasting their money, driving them out of business, and doing nothing for them. It's a fantastic, I've got about a 20-minute session. There you go, Ed. I once got a consumer order on a key code three years after it mailed. That's what I'm talking about. But my big point here is, my big point isn't that, my big point isn't what, whether it's 17 days or it's 10 seconds, it, that doesn't matter. When are we going to start getting back to reality? It wasn't reality when I got started in marketing. I spent years fighting with the liars that would tell you that with enough big data, you could make tons of money. The bigger your data, the more confused you get. I can tell you that for sure. It's an art to take apart big data. And almost nobody knows how to make money with it get my book. And I don't care if you buy my book or not. I just want to tell you that my book is chock full of examples of real catalogs, of real mailers, of real tests that were true. And I'm so angry that now that we're finally getting past the lies of the digital age, we're going back to the same lies that DMA used to publish. Makes me sick literally makes me sick so if you want to find out i mean here they, the guy cites ed mayer which is great you know ed mayer yeah genius read his book but this guy is not ed mayer the guy who wrote this article look here ed mayer define the 40 20 and i can tell you i can give you a clear example with pictures and numbers where i beat a control piece by 40 percent just by changing one picture on the cover. 600,000 piece test, head to head, AB split. That, 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 like that. One cover had one picture, the other cover had another picture, no difference in the catalog. And I put that, I put a slide up of the two covers next to each other. And after a minute, only about half the audience in a DMA convention on testing could tell the difference between the two covers. They were almost identical. How could that make a 40% difference? Well, 
listen to some of my stuff on testing and you'd know ah oh, i'm so angry <laughs> i'm so angry because i'm seeing teenagers telling me about direct mail marketing and how to make it effective and and quoting these legends and quoting the stupid statistics that we had to deal with for 30 years uh you know i'll post this article you can read it you can decide for yourself hey argue with me i don't mind okay but i just want you to if you're gonna if you're gonna go through the trouble of trying mail test something okay and if you're gonna test something then understand that mail is a strategy of customer information like john martin in the previous article it lets the customers tell you what they want but only if you do it right only if you do it with a scientific method and it's possible and it's not that hard i guess i got a little worked up have a nice day have a cup of coffee like and share your friends will know you're smart bye bye